0: the future of work and the future for workers is changing from new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies and winning talent solutions.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for uh, attending our first um, Transform Talent podcast here in the UK, hosted by Manpower Group. In this series, we're going to be talking all things relating to talent sustainability. We're going to have a focus in this first episode on two very important components, and that's employer brand and EVP. So, throughout this podcast series, we'll be discussing what it means to really align talent sustainability to our goals and our future targets. So, that means putting a focus on the S within ESG. We'll talk through a number of topics to take a net zero approach to talent and your talent agenda. So, I guess when we hear the term net zero, I think a lot of us might assume it relates to environmental targets, maybe. But what do we really mean when we talk about a net zero approach to talent? So, it means aiming for zero waste throughout our talent pipeline, life cycle, and process. And we do that by enabling true career mobility and building sustainable talent ecosystems. So this means potentially reimagining, redesigning how we attract, hire, reskill and redeploy talent to ensure that we're optimising the skills of all of our people. So as organisations evolve, there will be skill shifts. We've seen a significant change over the last couple of years. There there could be restructuring. There could be other changes in businesses that will affect its employees. But if the right talent sustainability practices are in place, companies should have a renewable supply of the right talent at the right time to offset some of those natural shifts in our talent pools and that's what it means to create a net zero approach to talent. So I am Georgia Byrne, I am our enterprise sales director here at Manpower Group. I am joined by Georgina Huntley, our talent director at Manpower UK, and I'd like to welcome our very special guest for our first UK podcast of this series, Bangu, who is global EVP manager and lead for BT.
0: Great, thanks Georgia. So over the last two years, just setting the scene for the focus for today, over the last two years, we've, um, we've seen panic buying, uh, distressed purchases and chaotic hiring. Um, we've seen the great resignation and considerable shifts to what workers want from their employers. With a potential recession now on the horizon, we're starting to see organisations slow slightly on that new hiring and shift their focus to demand planning, internal mobility, employer branding and employer value proposition. So with that in mind, um, in this first episode of the podcast, we'd like to talk about a key topic within the the talent sustainability framework, which is that employer brand and EVP. So do we really understand the impact of employee uh, brand and employer value proposition? Every organization has an EVP, but might not know it which in itself is its own challenge and externally in the market there's a lot of a lot of confusion uh, about the difference uh, between both of those so at manpower group our definition uh, is is what we'll just talk about now so what is the employer brand so it's how an organization from our perspective presents themselves when they're attracting talent it helps determine the role and relative strength of the hiring company's brand in attracting that talent uh, but it also helps determine if an employer recruits under the strength of their own brand, or leverages the brand of a recruitment company. Whereas employer value proposition is a far broader concept that really includes the full value that an organisation provides to an individual as an employer, and the value that the individual provides back to the employer in return. So why should someone come and work for that organisation? EVP really reflects all aspects of compensation, including purpose, culture, um, the work policies, how individuals are incentivised, how they're developed, and really the experience an individual has with an organisation, right from that first touch point. So hiring practices all the way through to an employee's last day. So in essence, our perspective From our perspective, EVP is the articulation of the employer brand. So answering that question, why should I work for your company as well as why should I stay at the company? So employer brand is the reputation and EVP is the narrative. So that's how we see it. But Paul, how does how does BT define um, EVP and employer brand?
2: Wow, um, quite <laughs> very very similarly to the way you see and think it too. However pockets. Uh, BT is, is almost like having six or seven businesses in one. And the way they interpret an EVP slash employer brand, sometimes the lines are very blurred, whereas in other areas, they're very distinct. So BT has a global EVP, uh, a, a pan-BT EVP where we have four fairly strong pillars that we we work around um, delivering the employee value proposition. However, when we take that conversation into some parts of the business, their focus has been over the last sort of year, year and a half around getting talent into the business. So their focus is, well, yeah, we love the EVP, but we want it for employer branding. We want it for talent attraction. What does that actually mean for my campaign? And the business as a whole sees the EVP as being something that will actually deliver a cultural experience for candidates externally, who probably are considering us uh, as a potential employer all the way through, their journey as an employee within the business, and not only the hiring, the onboarding, but also the development, growth, etc., uh, and, and all the way through to alumni, uh, the EVP should, you know, offer a fairly consistent experience and 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 deliver the promises that you've you made to talent before they join the organisation. Uh, saying that, in 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 a lot of businesses, not only BT but other businesses, I talk to um, you know peers and colleagues externally. The EVP is seen as something that is used to land a attraction campaign. A lot of people will talk about, well, I I need an EVP for this and I need an EVP for that. Uh, our EVP in this part of the business is, well, no, it, it they tend to be what the. Localization of that EVP is in that part of the business. But an EVP for a business and an organization like BT is only one EVP. And how we actually localize that to support whether that is a retention or an attraction or an upskilling, reskilling program, whether that's talking to Gen Z or, or whether that's talking to the other four generations that live within our talent pools at the moment. All of those are, are how we actually localize that EVP to kind of create that conversation and deliver it. But I think there are some blurred lines around mm-hmm. what people see the true definition of EVP. I think they misinterpret it for employer brand. And that's not just a BT-specific problem mm-hmm. um, or challenge, shall I say. Uh, I think it's an it's a industry-wide one.
1: Mm. Mm. Just, just on that, Paul and, and Georgie. Yeah. I mean, I guess the. So I guess there's continuing education of EVP and and that evolving over time. Just on that note, now in a, let's call it a post-pandemic world, are there any kind of key trends, different initiatives, different projects that people are looking into? Maybe some of your peers. Um, Paul and Georgie or within our own organisations that we're launching or starting to look at things slightly differently now?
2: I think the way the, the EVP, the demand on the EVP or, or the or the focus on the EVP has moved, although it kind of respects the way we communicate culture to an organisation internally uh, and our promises about reward, benefits, growth, wellbeing, all of these other various areas, um, that that shift has become a lot more uh, obvious because in certain parts of the business, big parts of the business in BT, we are now talking about retention, uh, engagement. Uh, we realize that, especially in areas where we have new skills that are coming through the organization, uh, even though there is a slowdown in attracting talent, we are in certain areas still experiencing challenges where we are looking for new skills into the organization so you know the slowdown is not a true back in the day recession slowdown where we've just came to a grinding halt and waited Mm. for a bit and then restarted in certain parts of the business the demand has not gone away Mm. but also because of the experience people have had through the great resignation and, and the challenges they've had over the last sort of year year and a half you know the focus on retention and reskilling and upskilling uh, has become really 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 uh, entrenched in the way we, we 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 talk and grow and support our colleagues at BT and i think that's true of other organisations too mm. to make sure that you know we don't have a leaky bucket because as long as you've got a very strong attraction uh, strategy but the back door is open your attraction strategy is always going to be under stress because you are trying to kind of you know rehire on a continual basis And, and and that rehiring can actually create disengagement in an organization people flowing through an organization in and out makes the people who are probably a little bit more bought into the organization more fragile because they start considering the reasons behind that turnover, the reason why people are leaving. So to to, to answer your question in short, yes, it has moved the dial. Uh, It was already there to a certain extent, but I feel now attraction is still alive uh, in, in certain areas where we have hard to fill skills. But in other areas of the business, you know, retention, engagement, uh, support, growth, development, all of those conversations have become a little bit more central to the way we talk EVP.
0: Yeah, I, I would echo some of those points there. Absolutely. And and the real trends that I I think I've witnessed over the last few years is um, the focus from employees and potential employees on the importance of what we're saying and what our, our EVP is. Um, I think there's become a real shift in what workers want from a purpose perspective um not you know it's not just about the remuneration package anymore or, or some of the, the benefits it's more about feeling connected to what um what the purpose is of the organization and that it aligns to that individual's purpose certainly within some younger generations it's so important that we have a that we recognise the stance we take and the societal impact that we're having. I've certainly seen that become more prominent um, over the last couple of years. But also, I think what what we're certainly recognising is the importance now of what our brand our, our brand is the perception of our brand and making sure that that tra- transfers into the reality of what it is working for us so that perception to the reality is a real focus for us more than it has been I suppose in the past although we've expected it um, it's now something that is is very intentional in our thinking that this as Paul said the experience flows throughout the employee life cycle.
2: Yeah and and, and just to kind of further add to that, I think a a lot of organizations are seeing their customer and candidate uh, or employee brands come very, very close together. Mm. I think that's a little bit more prevalent because both of the brands, or should I say the brand, the organizational brand, the colleague brand, they exist on similar social platforms. So Mm -hmm. the customer can now see how you're talking to the candidate and vice versa. So suddenly you cannot have differentiation. And ultimately, it's your colleagues who are delivering the customer experience mm-hmm. and if you are saying we deliver a fantastic customer experience aren't we just the best thing since sliced bread but your colleagues are seeing that on, on, on a social platform i'm going actually that does not resonate with the way i am actually experiencing (laughs) delivering the customer journey at the moment we've got a lot to improve you're suddenly bringing into question the way your colleague and your customers are potentially seeing the way you're engaging so i think the fact that those two brands are, are 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 probably in the same swim lane uh closer than they've ever been before has actually made marketeers employer brand marketeers and traditional group comms come company brand marketeers a lot more closer, but th- that probably is one of the key reasons as to the misinterpretation of what an EVP and an employer brand is, because we talk about it through the eyes of talent and marketeers are coming in saying, well, all right, it's an employee brand, yeah, we just kind of flip that over to the way we talk to our customer. It can't be that far away. And I think the, the slight nuances around how to differentiate those but keep them together is probably the key challenge we will have as marketeers. Mm,
1: yeah, that's, I think, the leaky bucket analogy always uh, will resonate with hopefully many of our listeners. And, and just on that perception versus reality piece, Probably quite a difficult question to you both, but how do we how do we deal with that? How do we manage it? How do we um ensure that actually what we're putting out there, potentially as employers, as customers, as partners, is the reality when you get into a business? Are there any thoughts on how we potentially look to manage that?
0: I think it's it's the importance of being intentional um and, and listening listening to your employees understanding the truth of their experience um and being and being very you know open to continually improving continually addressing changes and shifts to that culture piece um because there will be you know you you have change in your demographic within the organization you have change in the direction of the organization and, and you need to not just you know set an EVP on on your website and put it out there and leave it. It's something that is constantly evolving and should constantly be kept alive. So for me, it's around translating what our people are saying, listening to them and asking them and making sure we're translating that into what we're saying externally.
2: I, I again echo a lot of what you just said there. Um, I think from, from, from my perspective, um, you know, the risk is that you market your organization to be something that it probably cannot deliver once those colleagues uh once that once a potential candidates turn to colleagues And that's where you can probably have free fall in a disconnect with with, with your workforce Mm because they go, you promised me this and the reality is that. And what we're working on and what a lot of my peers also work on is trying to achieve authenticity in the way we communicate messaging externally by using advocates and by using uh, ambassadors within the organisation who are keen to tell their story without... Having a corporate polish put on the way they deliver that conversation, a user-generated content is sometimes great, but we can't always deliver that in, in in the way we like to communicate with our candidates because different different candidates have different expectations about how a business will talk with them or speak to them. So. But getting that authenticity is something that we worked really hard on. So a lot of the stuff that we put out from an uh, employee advocacy perspective, colleagues sharing their stories around D&I, for example, mm-hmm. or, or colleagues sharing their stories around how they've developed, how the organization has supported them through turbulent times, COVID, whatever else. We are now reluctant as an employer marketing team to edit any of that conversation and actually deliver it front-end. Sometimes it can be a little bit potentially uncomfortable for us to hear, mm-hmm. right? But that, that allows it to be received with a high degree of, trust Mm. with our talent pools. And and trust is kind of the undertone of what we're trying to achieve with an EVP, a two-way trust piece. So we do that a lot. Uh, And also the the other thing is leadership has a huge part to play in the way we Uh, make sure that we deliver against the promises. Leaders are always seen as eulogizing about how an organization is going to grow, develop the direction of travel in that organization, all of these wonderful things. And, you know, our colleagues will deliver X, Y and Z. We are now working effortlessly hard to make sure that our leaders are a lot more present um, on social media talking freely about what they are trying to do to kind of achieve some of their goals and tasks, but also energize their workforce. Because, you know, we feel, and I think a lot of people in the industry feel now as well, that executive teams tend to be a little bit selective about their presence on social media. Mm. Uh, They support big events, but but they're absent in small conversations. Mm. And I, I think over the next few years, achieving executive and leadership advocacy uh, on social media, or having a, certainly having a strategy around that and how they engage with conversations at all layers with candidates and customers will become really important. Otherwise, I think, you know, you are hearing the voice of some of the organization, but not all of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, I think it's a really, a really key point. And, and touching on that, um, we've recently looked and, you know, read in uh, the recent Deloitte report that um, by 2030, people under 35, so those connecting um, with, with social media, far more, people under 35 will make up 75% of our workforce. So how do we, I suppose, to you, Paul, how, how do we evolve or continue to evolve our EVP and branding messaging for people in those early career categories?
2: Mm. Uh, I think I think their expectations. I have I have kids who live in the Gen Z space at the moment. Uh, BTR, an organisation that dad works for. Um, and would they ever potentially consider working for? Don't know. You know, so it's it's quite interesting how we can actually make that conversation a little bit more relevant to them. Obviously, choice of platforms and how we engage bite size with them is really important. You know, they 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 will listen to a podcast, but if they're disengaged within two minutes of it, they probably turn it off and move to the next one. You know, so they they're they're very selective around how they spend their time. Uh, they're very questioning about. Commitments that an organisation makes around DNI, uh, we've seen certainly uh, over the last uh, couple of years, when we were attending events at universities or, or apprentice appen- events around the country, you know, folks are coming up to our, our stand and talking to us, saying, "Oh, you, you mentioned this about DNI, so what exactly are you doing?" Right. So no longer is DNI like a lovely. Oh yeah, we we support DNR, at, at BT. The question is how? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been asked that, right. How are you doing that? And and also I think the way we are going to actually have to make sure that we engage with these folks is to actually show them that their work will actually equal this outcome they are very project outcome driven conversations with us. If I come to you for a graduate program, what am I going to be doing in year one? What impact am I actually going to have what 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 accessibility to actually dist- you know these are not conversations I had as a graduate, no. you know I used to be kind of like sitting there waiting to be asked questions, not driving the conversation by going, "Tell me this and tell me that and and I think your employer brand as an organization now is very, very, very fluid uh, in, in the external ether due to social media and, and due to the way Gen Z consumes social media. Uh, if, for example, you've had a, a poor customer experience or, 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 you know, there's been some, you know, in, in investment uh, updates being shared with the mark whatever else your employer brand is always fluid it's, it's it's taking impact and progress from things that you're doing and things that are happening externally and i think gen z are very very cute to that so the research they would do before they actually go and engage with an organization is very quick i think i read somewhere that you know, Gen Z tend to use TikTok more as their search engine than Google. You know, what a step change that is. And, yeah. you know, Google will probably sit there trying to work out how to step into the TikTok conversation to kind of capture that momentum. But those folks are researching that before they're having conversations with folks like us, mm. and you know, they they want to know what their input will be. They're very project driven, probably as well, especially in the digital and tech space. You know, our conversations with a lot of folks coming um, through the Gen Z. Um, you know, demographic is I'll come and work on that project and then I might go and look elsewhere for my next one. You know, it's no longer I need to work here 25 years and get my uh, carriage clock and be very <laughs> excited about my tenure. You know, it's it's very, very different. And I think organisations like us will need to respect um, things like hybrid working, things like work-life balance, things like actually stepping out and delivering dni so to do that at bt for example when we constructed our pan bt evp uh in the past dni would be a horizontal that would go through the three pillars that we would actually make sure that yeah we're doing this but dni would obviously be ref- this time around we've got a fourth pillar which is purely focused on dni so no longer yeah. can we just have it as a you know, drifting through all our touch points, it's it's a questionable pillar now that we have to de- deliver against in any area of, of of work that we do that surrounds a candidate or a colleague.
1: Yeah, I think that's really um that's really important Paul, isn't it? So again, going back to that authenticity piece, particularly the younger generation, and in everything we do, this isn't a corporate tick boxing exercise anymore. Mm -hmm. They want answers, they want to understand how they'll belong, they want to understand purpose, um, and are asking sometimes difficult questions, but educated questions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, on on average, they may touch or research an organisation seven times before they have their first interview or first piece of interaction with an organisation, they're far more educated before they're speaking to us or, or organisations like ourselves, I guess. Mm. Um, and it can't be faceless. You know, you need to have your execs and your leadership stand up and represent on social media and really be honest. with. Mm. We, we sometimes don't have all the answers, but actually this is really what we care about. Um, and I think we're seeing that shift a little bit in our own organisation, Georgia, in terms of identifying people sometimes around our business of what are they really passionate about? What do they really care about? Because actually that will come through in some of the marketing material or anything that we look at on um, social media, but actually the, the importance of personal brand yeah, not just an organisation like Manpower Group or BT, but actually, what do I care about? What does Paul care about? And actually, making that more personal to the individual, which is which is really important, I think.
0: It's very important that we, as organisations, do recognise how um, individuals are passionate about um, their personal brand and how we as their employers can reinforce or support it um, because they make those as you say educated decisions now on the why it's not just that pay packet it's the what 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 is what is the job that i'm going to do how is that going to impact what is important to me whether that be societal whether it be you know dni whether it be Environmental, whatever those things are that are important, they need to be able to understand. Which is why we can't just have these, as you mentioned, all these these pledges and statements. It's about evidencing our progress to what we're saying we stand for and what we're going to do about things.
2: Yeah, that that comes into a huge challenge into uh, most organisations, not only BT, where we've got a you know five generational workforce that that is working across. You know, all the way down to Gen Z. I say down to all the way across to Gen Z. And and, and the the challenge is that you know we are now in working and, and and as Gen Z comes in a lot more into our workforce, that questioning part has become a lot a lot deeper and a lot more. Um, you know. Uh, necessary for them to actually get the why rather than just the how Mm. you know this is how we do the job well great but why are we doing this and why are we not doing that you know and and i think when we're working across a business like ours where you know some of it is driven by corporate functions and all of these fairly very well structured areas and then we're working also in um, areas such as technology and digital, which is a little bit more pioneering and innovating, it's very easy to see where those folks would fit into that innovative side, because it actually lends itself very well to their questioning, oh, how why are we doing this? I would like to get involved in doing that. You know, the amount of folks who want to join BT and want to be involved in social media is just, just uh, you know, never-ending i could literally hire as many people as i would like because they want to work in social media because they they use it and that's why brands who exist on their phone have have a little bit of a jump start on the race because they interact with those brands and they're very very keen to go and be part of the development and growth of those brands but when you know they don't see the five bars in the corner that EE might be providing them, and then they go, oh right, okay. Well, what what do you do? What, mm. Your phone works because of what we do. Oh right, okay. And here are all the other things. You know that 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 kind of conversation now is a lot more relevant for us to be had. Externally, with candidate and talent pools. Whereas in the past, we would talk about our projects being, you know, this is what we do in cyber, but we can't talk about it. Now we kind of have to talk about what we do in cyber. Otherwise, they're not going to come and work for us because they go, hmm, not sure what you really do. So, not sure I know what I'm going to do there. So, I I might go and try these other guys out. You know, so I I think our challenges are definitely changing. But I, I think what you said about being very, very transparent and answerable to talent around our commitments and pledges uh, our purpose all of these various things is probably more so than i've ever seen it in my career
1: now paul in terms of well just finishing on hopefully something quite um fun we would ask we'd like to ask you to ask a question of your choice to our next oh, guest gosh so you you don't know who that guest is going to be. Um okay. we, can, we can tell you that there'll be a talent or h r leader um that we'll have on our next podcast. So feel free to, to to think of a question, and and we'll answer. We'll ask that to our next guest, But we'll let them know that you've asked the question, so they can always reach okay. out. Oh
2: gosh, shouldn't they tell me off for asking them a hard question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you on the spot a little, but anything that you would like to ask our next talent HR leader on our next podcast, Paul?
2: Okay, uh, my question would be around data and metrics. In any organisation now, irrespective of size and uh, and market area, most decisions are data driven and metrics driven, and they have to be for for, for us to be um, a little bit more relevant and tuned into the way we work. Um, so my question to your next guest would be: How does data impact their daily, weekly, monthly job role in their in their current organisation? And how much do they trust the data they currently have to make those decisions safely?
1: Lovely, nice. Question. That's a challenging question, Paul. But a, certainly, I know, a I
2: that's why I don't put my name on it so that they can't track me down <laughs> <laughs> right. and say thank you very much for that tricky question.
1: No, thank you very much, Paul. And Paul and Georgie, thank you for participating in our first UK here at Manpower Group and and discussing all things that relate to EVP and employer brand. I know that we don't have the answers to everything, but I think discussions like this certainly help give our own organisations as well as other organisations out there about how they could potentially address some of the challenges that they're seeing with their own employer brand or their own EVP. So, Thank you again, Georgie and Paul. And to all of our listeners, um, if you would like to understand more about your own talent sustainability maturity, here at Manpower Group, we have developed a framework that can help your business measure, improve and track your talent practices against those that are critical to becoming a very talent-centric organisation. So the framework consists of about 50 multiple choice questions in an an assessment style. And it's called the the Talent Sustainability Quotient. So the results will give you at least a good benchmark um, and understanding of your own talent maturity uh, model and some potential actions to improve that over time. So please go ahead and check that out on our Manpower Group site, Talent Sustainability Quotient.
0: The Transform Talent Podcast, because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent solutions, business and talent aligned.